Josh, I was going through the files. Second episode you were on was you skipped number two, so you were on number three. Okay. And Josh, by episode four, we're talking about Fast and the Furious. Not you, but I did that with Matt, Eric, and uh, Chris. Oh God, was there was there even a movie out by that point? I it might have been like the trailer for because that was 20, seven, 2015. Yeah, so it's, it's got to be seven? seven or eight somewhere in there. I know eight. I know for eight was what twenty fifteen. Yeah. Yeah, eight was eight was twenty seventeen because I was working at the theater. Yeah, I would say so this has to be or, seven then. Seven or six. So the Fast and Furious has been in this show's DNA since episode four. <laughs> and I and I would I would argue I mean th- depending on the 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 vision that you had at the at the beginning it doesn't necessarily really fit genre but <laughs> I think that was you know sort of what you're talking about before it was just like scrambling for topics. At the beginning of when this show started, uh-huh. it was basically just asking people who wants to talk about what. And I knew these three guys would talk Fast and Furious for over an hour. So I was like, <laughs> well, there's a topic. Let's do it. Listen, you know, honestly, the, the guys in the Fast and the Furious are as close to superheroes as anything else. Now, yeah. They were they yeah. were starting to go that way at that point. So Yeah, I mean, it, it, they're superheroes and their powers are driving cars. <laughs> that don't obey in the an laws uncanny of way. See, Josh, doesn't that make you excited for all the other Fast and Furious movies you have to go through? Superheroes with cars. Yeah. like and... There's nothing even like pre-MCU that if you sold that something to me in that way that I would ever care. Transformers? <laughs> Barely. I was never really a big Transformers Barely? kid. Okay. Eric just cried a little bit. Eric and Romano. Hello and welcome to another episode of Bry Guy Into Super Friends. I'm your host, Brian Labick. Joining me for this episode is someone whose body may be inhabited by someone else's wish. We'll never know. Josh Zorch. I was really nervous about what my intro was going to be <laughs> today. And I, I, I already was sort of on alert, ready to cut it off midway and squash it. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised and, and grateful. Is that the better of the two? Like, you okay with that one? Or oh, yeah. Worse? To what's Com- compared okay. to what my first uh, first performance post Watchmen discussion could have been. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, next up, we have someone who has such a great relationship with Sears, he can hook you up with a three inch Game Boy, <laughs> Mike Bradley. Yeah, hit me up. Um, you can do that. By the way, you can come get your three inch Game Boy. By watching me on Twitch at Rare Achievements or on YouTube, uh, Rare Achievements there too. Um, if you want that three-inch Game Boy, you are going to have to contact a man named Brian Labick. He's got about 400 of them, I believe, <laughs> that he's giving away this month alone. So get in contact with him, and if you come to my stream, I will give you his contact information so that you can get in. They're free. First 400 people to get them. There you go. <laughs> I mean, hey, Ian can plug random shit that doesn't go anywhere all the time, right? So, <laughs> sure, do that. You'll get an IOU from me that will go nowhere. But matter of fact, email uh, superfriends at gmail.com. I will be sure to get back to you on where to get your Game Boy. 
Uh, Josh, you got anything to plug? I know nah. usually I've been trying to do this at the top of the show now. I know Mike just plugged himself. You got anything you want to plug? Nah, it's, for future uh, reference, I'll tell you before we hit the hot live button whether there is or <laughs> not, because just assume there's not. Okay. I, you know, Are you going to plug wanna... yourself at the start this time? I, I was going to, yeah, end with me. Okay. So, yeah, Mike, Mike insisted I start putting myself up front, too. So I will plug myself for once also. So you can follow me personally. Uh, I am Jedi Bry Guy on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube. Uh, that's Jedi with an I, Bry with a Y. You can find me on any of those. Uh, all the Super Friends stuff I'll plug at the end because you're probably used to that by now. Um, so for this episode, we are going to talk probably the first uh, like new movie review that we've been able to do in six, seven months, possibly longer. I should have done my research and went back to see when we actually reviewed a movie last that is technically like new. Uh, but we're here to talk about Wonder Woman 1984. So if you remember, probably a little over a month ago, we talked about how Warner Brothers was releasing a bunch of movies to HBO Max. Uh, Wonder Woman 1984 was the beginning of that slate. Uh, so it released in theaters and HBO Max on Christmas Day. Uh, so if you've signed up for HBO Max or you know started your free trial, you can watch the movie now. It is there until January 24th. Uh, we should be putting this out before that, so you might have about a week. By the time this comes up and you're listening to it the day of release, uh, you probably got a week to catch up on Wonder Woman if you haven't already. Uh, and then it'll leave the platform. It'll still be in theaters for another two months. And then after that, probably, as far as I know, uh, the same release schedule that most other movies have. It'll, you know, rental and then home video and at some point probably come back to HBO Max, but we don't know how soon. So moral of the story is if you want to watch it, watch it now on HBO Max. Uh, I did do a double check for our the last time we did a most anticipated list which was for 2020 wonder woman 1984 was my number five was josh's number five andy's number three it did not make mike's list mike did not have it in his top 10 for most but i didn't even think it made your honorable mentions i don't think for that list little, so little most of us we, were really little did we really know looking we'd only forward get to like this four movies this year I know, I looked. I yeah, think. no, had, I, had you shown me the movie, the list of movies that were actually going to come out, <laughs> it, it would have been on that list. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think most of us seem to be really looking forward to this one. It made all of our lists, most of our lists. Uh, so before we do spoilers, jump into discussion stuff, normally with the, the movie reviews we do for new movies, we usually try to talk generally about what we thought. So if anyone that is curious to check out the movie, you can sort of get, you know, spoiler-free thoughts from us if, if you think it's worth it. To, to check it out or not. Uh, we'll hit, the, hit you with the spoiler warning, and then we'll go into specifics for the movie. So, starting with general thoughts, uh, what did you guys think? Go ahead, Mike. Uh, okay. Um, general thoughts on this movie for me would be one incredible performance and a bunch of disappointment. Um... It, it, I mean, it looks good. There's, you know, I, I guess attempts at things being, you know, it just doesn't do it for me. But um, there is one incredible, incredible performance in this film. Uh, you'll have to keep on listening to find out who I think that was. <laughs> uh, uh, Josh, general the, thoughts? Lay the breadcrumbs. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if i would characterize it as harshly but it may fall on that you know same same side of those tracks um 
I think this is one where for for whatever reason, the sum of its strengths are weaker altogether. You know, the, 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 there's good parts to it. There are strong parts to it. Um, but there's a series of decisions and, and like I said, just the ingredients put together just wasn't the right recipe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think, uh, the, the, I, I came out, I watched it twice. So I watched it when it came out and then I just watched it again in preparation for this. And as I'm watching the second time, it's like the line that they keep repeating in the movie is one that I was like, you know what? That's got to be the tagline for this movie, which is this movie is good, but it can be better. Like this, this ah. is, the, they should put that on the poster for this movie. <laughs> yes. I, I, yeah, I'm kind of a bit underwhelmed, I think with these guys too. And I don't know if it's just cause like my expectations were that high for it, that it, it just didn't hit that bar coming off of, uh, you know, the first wonder woman, which is fucking fantastic. Um, I'm wondering if, when we get into the spoilers, if, if Mike and I are going to have different ideas on the standout performance, because I think there's there's one performance in here that I can't tell if I liked it or not. Hmm. It's either really good or, like, way over the top for me that I don't know <laughs> if I can get behind it. We're definitely talking about the same okay. person. Okay, all right. So I'm, I'm going to see why you loved it so much and see if that convinces me one way or the other. Um, and I, I sort of had this thought, you know, watching something like this at home, like, would I have had the same experience with this movie had I seen it in a theater? Good point. It was made for cinema. It was made for the theatrical experience. That's an, definitely an inescapable aspect of this. Because I found myself doing the same thing that, like, directors and creative artists that make these movies for the theater don't want people to do. I'm on my couch watching this thing, and as soon as I start getting bored, I'm looking at my phone. Like, that's exactly stuff that I would not do in a theater, but I'm doing it because I'm home. See, in my case, I was watching it with family, like, in a darkened basement because my father-in-law wanted to, like, show off his theater. It's not really a theater room, but he has a big TV down there that he doesn't really get to show anybody, and he was happy to <laughs> be able to watch Wonder Woman on Christmas Day with us. Yeah. So, he uh, he got to do that, but we were in a darkened room, so it was like... Nobody really looking at their phones. The only person who got up was my mother-in-law to go and work on dinner and stuff occasionally. And she didn't really care anyways. Right. So, it, so I didn't have that experience where I was looking. At, I would have if I wasn't in that setting. Right. In the setting I was in. But, Mike, yeah. did you rewatch? I, I assume you watched on like Christmas Day or the day after. On Christmas Day, I okay. watched. Did, did you rewatch also prior to the t t discussion? No, I, I I wasn't gonna do that. <laughs> okay, um, we did the same thing. We uh, Sarah and I were able to watch. I think it was the twenty sixth uh, that we did, and then uh, same thing between like the couple days leading up to this. I, I sat down and redid it. Um, maybe in a, in a couple of months when it's back to you know HBO Max proper, probably um, for the, for good. Um, I will try that method. To see, in, in all honesty, even if I'm in my own home, if it's if I'm if I'm watching at nighttime and I deliberately turn out the rest of the room lights, I am way way less inclined to pick up my phone and stare at the bright light in the dark. 
Correct. So yeah. we watched yeah. this. You make more of an event out of it by doing it that way, and less of just a casual view. Right, and, and it's, it's, I mean, part of it is a reflex from 36 years of living, and that's just how you behave in that environment. You're, you know, it's, you're used to it at that point. But also, like, in any kind of dark room, you know, if we're watching TV and the sun has gone down and we just don't happen to turn the lights on yet, I'm way less inclined to pick up my phone because I don't want to have that stark brightness in my eyes. It's just a thing right. that I naturally end up doing. Um, and so our first watch was um, in like the middle of the afternoon on, on a Saturday, right? So or Saturday or Sunday. So I think trying it again where, you know what, let's start this at 8 p.m. Let's close the blinds turn the lights off try this again you know we'll put put some distance between ourselves you know from now till then and and give it another shot because mm -hmm. I, I think you're right the 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 whole environment now to be fair trying to speak objectively my the view i think the views that i have on the things that i think were weak would not be improved all that much it might tick up like half a point but right. the overall experience, you know, I might have not noticed that I was harping on those things as much and they wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have been aware as much like Brian, like you said, because I have all those other distractions and it's easy to do them. So I can let right. my tension wane and, and whatnot. See, I think if you pay close attention, you're going to get more aggravated with this movie. Personally. Okay. I mean, I'll say I've like again. I watched it twice. I enjoyed it more the second time, and I, I can admit that. I would agree to that too. I think. I think your expectations were lower. Right. Yeah, that's the thing. Is you know high expectations, out, and that's why movies that I really want to see, I usually try to see them twice. Even in the, even when we're doing the theater, you know, when theaters are open and movies come out to theaters, I still try to get to it twice before we sit down and talk about it. Mainly because the first viewing, whatever expectations you have. That first viewing is based on your expectations. This movie was very high on my list as something that I wanted to be good, and it didn't hit that bar. So already I'm looking at it in a negative way. Now that I can go back and watch it a second time, knowing what it is, I can appreciate what it is a little bit more. And sort of find like okay. the middle ground of how I'd want to review it or rate it or something like that. I mean, I don't want to get into the spoilers or anything. For me, it was the more I paid attention to the story and thought about the story, the more problems I had with it. I, yeah, I will admit that my biggest issue with this movie is the story, for Same. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things that <clears throat> I have done, with, like when we've done the Rewind Theater stuff, is hit the, the Rotten Tomatoes and Meta, Metacritic ratings. So I did look those up for this movie. Where are they sitting uh, at currently? Yeah, Rotten Tomatoes has a critic score of 60%. An audience score of 74%. Hmm. Metacritic has a meta score of 60, so it's right in line with Rotten Tomatoes. User score, 3.9. Oof. So the That's user score went the other on... way than what Rotten Tomatoes did. I'd, I'd say that's more in line with accuracy, personally. I was actually surprised the, the, the audience rating for Rotten Tomatoes was up so high. Considering internet I'm reaction shocked. that I had seen... Right around this, when this movie dropped. Well, it didn't get brigaded the way some other movies have. No, but even just like way. first reviewers that were hitting out, a, you know, coming out a couple days before, I expected to hear glowing reviews and I was not hearing that 
and then I started to get a little bit scared. Considering the other movie I that still came personally out, have not read a positive review. What's that? I still personally have not seen a positive review or read one. I think they're out there. I didn't personally see them. I think maybe just from what showed up on my feed of social media scrolling, like the sites that I, I typically frequent. Yeah. Um, but it was like, it was funny. Like the, this movie and Soul both released digitally the same day, and I heard nothing but bad things about Wonder Woman and amazing things about Soul. So, yeah, yeah it was. I need to watch Soul. I will say Soul was good. I liked Soul a lot. I got to give that a watch. Um, all right, any other final thoughts for, for general spoiler-free stuff? Or we'll hit the spoiler warning and, and move on. I would not want to detract anybody from from watching it. I, I would not say this... My I personally would not say this movie sucks. I would say this yes, movie has creation problems with strange choices that don't gel, but it is still entertaining. So if this if this is where you're gonna cut off for the moment or or anything this this is I I I would say you can still enjoy it probably give it a try give it a try. I try I try to that, that's a fair point make up your own mind. Yes, that's one thing you know? at least I I it, it regardless of what we say or think that's one thing I usually try to promote is that at the end of the day these are just our opinions we are not right or wrong there are definitely people that like this movie that are out there. Um, so regardless of how we say, or, you know, what we say about it, how we feel about this movie, do not leave it up to us to decide whether or not you're going to watch this movie or not. If you're interested, watch it, form your own opinion. We can try to have a civilized discussion about our, our disagreements on this. Hopefully it doesn't result into to name calling and yelling. Uh, but you know, it's the internet, so who knows? But, uh, yeah, I, I, if you've made it this far and you're unsure, watch it. Like, you know, we're not telling you not to watch it. Is, is sort of where I'm where I'm going to end that. Exactly. Fair enough. Uh, so from here, we will be talking spoilers for Wonder Woman 1984. If you haven't seen the movie yet and don't want to be spoiled, pause us now. Come back after seeing the movie. So again, if you're if you're unsure, go check it out. Come back and, and listen to what we have to say after you've seen it. Uh, last call for spoilers to follow. Spoiler! Spoiler! You know, something like that. All right, so we are back. Uh, anything here is fair game. Spoilers. We're going to talk about specifics from the movie. Uh, we sort of talked beforehand. If you've been listening to our Rewind Theater episodes, we started reviewing those movies with five criteria. Direction, story, uh, characters and actors, soundtrack, and special effects. So we're going to sort of lead with those guidelines when we get into the specifics here. Um, so, Josh, if you had to pick one of those five, where would you like to start? I'm going to suggest, if you guys are okay with it, I'm going to suggest that we start with director and then go to story because I think issues or points that we could raise in the remaining areas could be better contextualized after the story discussion. Okay. If that fair. makes sense. Um, so I'm going to say let's start with, with director. Now, we, and I think that people people often very easily will give directors credit when things are very successful and come together well and it looks great and it blows away expectations, blah, blah, blah. So similarly, it would be unfair to not lay some of that at their feet if you feel that things fall short. Okay. Um. So in the same way, like people probably give credit to that position 
for things that that person had very little interaction with or input in, honestly. Like, depending on how the whole thing works, maybe they have to give the final sign-off on on something, but they're, you know, it's not like they have their hands in every single little thing, so they often get credit for things that they're not really that involved with. So it would yeah, be... I think it's more the latter. People present, like, their departments work on their shit, they come to them and say, is this okay? And they say, yes, go with that, and that's the director's job. Right, so similarly, if there's something that you say, well, this didn't go well, and if they... If, if the same sort of thing happened where there's a sign-off given, that person would have to bear some of the criticism. So right. anything that I think falls short in this movie or that I would critique, while I enjoy a lot of what else she's done, I have to lay some of that. I think it'd be only fair to lay that at Patty Jenkins' feet. That said, um, I think, as as we said earlier, the the... This, unfortunately, it doesn't feel like it's better than the sum of its parts. But some of the parts were really good. Yeah. So some of the visual effects choices I will give her credit for. That whole opening sequence on Themyscira, I actually really dug. I do too, um, yeah. As we'll get into story, I... That set a tone for the movie that I wish it had kept. I don't. And, and part of it is I don't really know never mind I'll, I'll hold that for story but i don't think i don't i can't really say this didn't look like a good professional movie and it didn't look like a good product so i i i don't, I don't really know where to go from there per se i'm just like left in this in, in in this sort of space where i i don't want to just shit on somebody but i can't <laughs> necessarily find the right words to say the positive side of things either so directing was meh if i guess if you had to I, yeah and i know like i don't want it to sound like that big of a douchebag but it's like <laughs> who the hell am i like you know what i mean um but the, the 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 pieces that worked well worked well and those that didn't dragged it down unfortunately and you're thinking specifically, like, that's why you bit your tongue specifically story is what drug it for you. You want to get dive into more of that? Well, well, the point that I was going to jump off the Themyscira uh, opening from would have gone into more of a story comment. So that's what I was holding off. Okay. I, I So in terms of directing for me, I have that very word written down. It, it's the first thing I have to say about the directing. Meh. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's the first word of my notes here. I have nothing too exciting or disappointing. It didn't throw me. It didn't like the directing was not that big a deal. Um, and they, they, there is some cool shots. The whole thing in Themyscira is awesome. That whole sequence was very well done, very well shot. Um, some of the angles and the visuals that they came up with for that are awesome. Um, and I guess like you have to look at like things like editing when you're talking about directing as well. And I don't find any problems with it. I just don't have anything but maybe one or two shots in the movie that are terribly memorable. Mm. You know, and I think that's something where, you know, we, we, we've got instances where a woman is riding lighting, lightning with a whip. And it's, I, I can't, I know it happened, but I can't even see it in my head because it was like, eh. yeah, it, like it, it, it was underwhelming for what was happening. Okay. You know, what yeah, was yeah. happening sounds amazing, but it didn't 
actually like resonate with me well enough um probably because of i, I see i i i guess that fight doesn't really fall into directing but it kind of does you know what i mean like where that fight like how that fight went which fight I, with cheetah okay um well and, that, and that's sort of the it was just like this could have been so much better and done in a well shot like well lit area as opposed to what they were doing. I mean, I definitely think the where... cheetah fight was my least favorite out of all of the action sequences in the movie. Agreed. Yeah. It, it was horrible, in my opinion. Like the like all the different choices I think they made there it, with the cheetah fight just ugh. It, it 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 was supposed to be like that epic battle at the end of all this and it really really fell short of that. Yeah, I think so, I, I you know, I'm I'm in line with you guys. I think nothing really stuck out to me that was terrible that I'm like this is shit, but at the same time there's I wanted there's nothing there's nothing in this movie that speaks to me the way No Man's Land speaks to me from the first movie. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing that's that memorable or that epic to me. I mean, there's some cool visual things. I think I think the action sequences are cool. I think the opening action sequence is good. I think the action sequence uh, on the road with the army trucks is cool. Uh, mm-hmm. The most visually striking sequence to me that I take away with that I still think is really cool looking is the and it's corny as fuck. Maybe we can get into it in story, but the invisible jet sequence. I really like that sequence visually. I think it looks really cool. But like the logistics of like how we get there is it, like it's almost just like okay, what does she have in the comic books? An invisible jet? Check. Okay, go. Like just make it happen. So, okay, fine, but you know, flying through the fireworks in an invisible jet, that just looks fucking cool. Like that's yeah. for me, that's a sequence that sticks with me and that's that's the one I seem to remember a lot from the movie. It was a cool scene. So I, I would say the, I think by default, as we continue the conversation, the things that we feel, again, like the things that we feel weren't the best or fell short, those would fall under the, you know, negative slash critique side of our quote review of Patty Jenkins as director. And those that we blush about go under the pro positive side. Yeah. Um. I don't know anything else for for direction because again it's it's hard to pin down like what exactly I didn't like. Same. Well, direction. I mean, in wise, this case anyway. for me, it's a little bit tougher to separate the two because she also wrote the movie. Did she write it? Co-writer, yes. Yes, her okay. Co- co-writer with Jeff Johns and one other. Uh, okay, I did. Okay, I did see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, Dave. Yeah, they, they wrote both the story and the screenplay. But the story was just her and Jeff yeah. Johns, and then the Callahan guy was on the screenplay. Okay. So, it, it's hard for me to separate one from the other. Like, as a director, I don't really think she did anything wrong here. As a writer, I think she did a lot wrong. Yeah. Okay. Or they did a lot wrong. Okay. Like, I don't have any directorial problems with it, I guess. All right, well, if we're getting stuck with direction here, should we just spin the story? I think so. Sure. All right, let's go into story then. So, first question I'll ask, and I, it's probably the same thing that Josh wants to ask about the Mascara. Maybe. Well, I'm assuming. So, they set up this movie at the very beginning with young Diana learning this lesson through that trial that they went... Was that like the trials or something like that that they called it? 
I didn't catch a name, but I took it. Yeah, as either Amazonia Olympics. Olympics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. So she go competition. Mm-hmm. We'll call it. Um, so they go through this competition. She's supposed to learn this very important character lesson that presumably, if you're basing this giant first scene of the movie on, is going to come back later and play some sort of role, right? You know what I mean? Why? What? What's the purpose of having her learn this lesson? As a young girl, if she's not going to somehow use that later, and she doesn't, it it never comes back. I I wrote that it's down just, too. It, I didn't understand what was like whatever was being conveyed through sequences and information and dialogue and all of that. I didn't understand what it had to, to, anything to do with the rest of the movie. That was my note too. Yep. Was this movie is trying to teach me something, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, so, I mean, that to me was one major, like, right at the very beginning, you're like, oh, this is what's going to happen, and the whole time you're waiting for that to happen, which I'll get to something else that I was waiting for to happen the entire time that never did, but that's something, that's another category. Um, But we have that happening that way. We have the fact that all of a sudden, just because the man she loved is somehow back, she's okay with it being something that actually absolutely wrecks and takes over somebody else's life. And this is somebody that is supposed to be this morally, you know, high-end person that we're supposed to admire, but has this selfish reaction to it throughout the entire movie. And only when the entire world is at risk of crumbling because of that, does she decide that, well, yeah, I guess I got to give up Steve and get my powers back. What? Yeah, I feel like I've had, this is one of the, the numerous conversations I've had with people that have watched this movie is the moral implications of having your boyfriend inhabit someone else's body and not blink an eye. <laughs> yeah. There was there was no hesitation. Which like there, there was no moral discussion about this isn't okay. We need to stop and this. And not only that, but No, it was like let's bone. To me Well, two things that I'm hopefully not gonna lose my second train of thought talking about the first one. But the first one like this is fantasy. It's a made up movie. It, it's a wish. This should not have to be grounded in the fact that he has to inhabit someone else's body. She wished Correct. for him to come back. Just give him, Bingo. just make him appear. He he materializes. He ethereally right. materializes. You don't need anything else. And, so, and you can this still is a have, movie that has a woman ride lightning with a whip and another woman turn into a woman cheetah yeah. later in the same film. And, but we can't materialize and you can still have somebody all out of, of the air. same moral hangups that she experiences through the potential loss of him without right. that aspect of it he could he could infinity ward fade away by the end of the or infinity war i said infinity ward infinity war i call fade it away i, I call it Voldemorted because he, yeah, he did okay. it first so, he yeah. ashed away but secondly uh and th- this is me trying to play devil's advocate here is like you try you start to think like and more sort of talking about like the direct like you have to have the director signing off on this stuff there has to be these people in a room trying to figure out the logistics of this story, and they decided that this was the way it should go. Mm-hmm. They were the ones that picked he has to inhabit someone else's body to be there. So what is the story decision to have it be stuck in those rules as opposed to him just appearing somewhere? And, and the, the only thing well, the I can story... think of is to have the the one scene at the end where Diana comes across the guy that she was seeing that is Steve. Right. And then you think, like, oh, how much does that actually bring to the movie? Wh- why does that scene need to be here? And why is it... Or even her encountering him in any other capacity. Right. Again, the... Like, uh, um, I, uh, 
I, I lost I, it. I think yeah. the reason for that originally probably was something along the lines of she needs to have a moral dilemma about this wish. She needs to have that moral dilemma. And then they never, never had her run into that moral dilemma. They had her realize it only after the rest of the world was at stake and she was losing something too. Well, I think she, they, they show that she, she was aware of it earlier than that. Cause they argue in the apartment and she says, I will not talk about this. I want something for myself. I give I give all of myself every day to everybody else. Why can't I just have this one thing? Take someone's well, life. Right, right, right. But that's, that's <laughs> that, the thing. That one thing that's you're the, having the, is so someone's that, life. That, that's the strange story choice, which is you could still tell us that the manifestation of the wish through use of this magical tool still has this effect on whatever you want to call it, space-time continuum, universal balance, however it's going to work. Steve is here. All of that still exists. The fact that Steve Trevor is, in, in a psychological sense, a spiritual sense, however you want to think of it, is been reincarnate. Like, that all still exists without it having to be a body-snatching setup. You can have all of that still. The part... Even more than that, that I thought was strange to me is I don't, it doesn't line up. You, we often talk about in world building and fantasy, especially give me the rules and what you're telling me has to adhere to the rules. And the more that you go outside of your own rules, it just appears that it's a matter of convenience to get around some other corner you backed yourself into with your rules. Right. So the rule is someone makes a wish, they have to give up something. And, uh, and and it, it appears, you know, prior to um, Max Lord taking over the essence and becoming this wishing stone itself, it seemed that person didn't have probably control over what they traded. Right. Right. There was never on the table, here's the deal. Do we agree to this? Yes. It was, I wish and whatever I lose, I guess I got to live with. So what does Diana lose? She starts to lose her power her immortal abilities her strengths all of that on the second viewing i finally realized she's not losing that because cheetah stole it that was not the condition of barbara's wish barbara said i want to be like her that does not mean that barbara has to take what she has right barbara is giving up something else for herself diana is losing something for her if if diana never made a wish I could buy that that Barbara was somehow siphoning Diana's power away. Yeah. The fact that Diana made a wish herself says, I am giving up this thing about me to have Steve back. So why does the person who Steve inhabits have to be a part of that equation? Why does right, that? I'm pretty sure that guy didn't wish to be inhabited by somebody who's dead. <laughs> Correct. Why? Why is that yeah, well, pulled that. into the calculus of this? That doesn't line up to me as a story choice. Well, and, and like to me, the other problem is we we talked we've talked a lot already about why like what what her issue is mm-hmm. and why she doesn't have this moral dilemma about it. Steve is back too, and he's fine with it too. Like he has a little, he seems like a little bit more opposed to the idea, or feels bad about it, or talks more about like he keeps you in 
I guess he keeps you aware of the fact that it's another guy that he's inhabiting. <laughs> but at the same time, he never sits her down and says, like, this is fucked up. <laughs> well, to the point, he doesn't have a choice, like, though. Like, th- none of this is his doing. He did not wish for yeah, himself. Yeah, but he could to... talk to her. Right. Which... And say, you need to stop this. I mean, yes. They're, they're, I, to me, i never seen any. I, I, I'm not blaming Steve for any of this stuff. I'm putting I'm the blame blaming, more, on, no. more on Diana to recognize that, I hey, this is weird. Like... We should figure this out. I mean, Steve's trying to help her get to the bottom of it. He's the first one to realize this is not good. We have to. Well, I guess it's more because she's losing powers, not because I'm inhabiting this dude's body. But right. I'm just saying he doesn't seem to have a problem with being back, even at the expense of somebody. I mean, would you? I wouldn't. (laughs) You're suddenly back from the dead and you're a Wonder Woman's boyfriend and you're going to be like, no, you know what? I want to be dead again. Like, (laughs) come on. But at the same time, I'm not that great of a person. (laughs) And Steve Trevor is played up to be that great of a person that would think of other people, you know? I mean, at least give yourself the weekend or something and then decide you're going to go back. No, I mean, I would have boned her. I mean, <laughs> hell yeah. Like, get, get that in before you go back to being dead. And that and have some Pop-Tarts. And see the Space Center, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, coming back, I mean, I guess that's another aspect to it. Coming back 100 years in the future, I'd walk around for a couple of days, but I'd also feel really bad about it the whole time. <laughs> Which, you know, story-wise, I liked that parallel of, like, World War One. she's the fish out of water, he's showing her around, and you get the reverse of that in this movie. Agreed. I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah. Agreed. And I liked that he is, yeah. and it was a, it was a slightly, it was through a different prism because not only she's not just moving history, she is moving for all intents and purposes, dimension, you know, culture, everything. She has no idea what the quote yeah. human world has been for 2000 years. Yeah. He is moving into, and I like that the idea that, they move him into the future for him to be awe, like the moments that Chris Pine sells being in awe of especially the planes and the space shuttle yeah, yeah. and all those things, the, the, the subway. Yes. Like that shot of his face. I could watch that up to <laughs> him just being awed by a subway train coming down for like three straight minutes. He sells it so goddamn good. Um, we're kind of jumping over to actors and characters in that regard, but um. If I get one thing I want to jump back to Themyscira for a moment for is um, it's not really part of the competition per se, but in the like opening establishing shots, I really am interested in what Amazonian Quidditch fully looks like because <laughs> it kind of looks like what they were doing. That was the yep, thing. That looked really cool. I'm in. Um, I think, though, something like a Wonder Woman has, and I wrote this down, has the same challenge and almost blessing and curse as Thor did. The first two Thors, especially you have this person from a fantasy world, from a God world that is parallel and can sometimes interact with our own. So you don't want to waste it and you, but it's such a challenge to split your time between those two and to incorporate them in a way that makes one seem like it, uh, it gels well, like what, what is happening in one and what we're being shown in one becomes purposeful to what we'll see when they're no longer there and they're in the other place. I think contextually that worked out way better in the first Wonder Woman film by Steve showing up there first. And then, you know, obviously Diana, right, right, right. this one, as we already said, they give us this whole sequence, which was really cool, but we just don't 
know what it had to do with anything else. Um, but but I think it's it part of that is just an inherent challenge of blending fantasy characters in the quote real world. Okay. Yeah, and and while I understand what you mean, I still come back to my point in they could have used it the way they did and had that le- lesson she was learning matter. Agreed. In the movie later. And that's how they could have tied it it's in. It's like, I know it had something you know to do I mean? with that, truth, that's why but that's there. about all I got from it. Like, truth comes yeah, around I mean, in the third act of the cheating. film, but other than that, that, that correlation, that's all I got. Well, not cheating, earning your way there, you know, and then the whole talking about truth and all that, and it's like, if you're going to put this there... There should be a theme, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it, it should. That's how stories work. There needs to be that theme that I, I know I didn't get. Um, I, I guess to say a positive about the story, uh, and what I feel was really well written. Um, first of all, let's just throw it back to the original creators of Max Lord, one of the best names ever created. <laughs> um, like if you're gonna be, if you're gonna have a comic book character name max lord it's hard it's hard to go wrong with that one um his story however max lord's story i actually found to be very compelling okay at least compared to the rest of the film um i felt like his story was much better written and much more interesting than anything else going on in the movie and it it's one of those things where I'm trying to like think of it now in terms of was it really that well written or was it the rest of it not working for me that made it seem like that was better. Mm, okay. And I'm not sure. Yeah. Um but I enjoyed that end of the story much more. You know, I mean the the story of this, you know, businessman that just can't make things work. He obviously had some plan for success and just kept failing and failing and failing and he's trying to make his kid happy he's trying to you know provide this life for his kid and he can't and but he's trying to remain this superman in his kid's eyes that's a well-written character that that's somebody who has this drive and reason to do something that's really not very good and then he finds out about I, I was this. I mean, do we have? Does anybody remember the name? I know they named it the Wish thing, the Monkey's Paw, whatever this thing was. The crystal thing. I don't remember what the name of the. Yeah, crystal I don't know was. if they gave it a name. And I, I think when she used the phrase Monkey Paw, I thought that was just in a general sense because that's a term yeah. used for such things that behave this way, but not that she was calling it that. Right. Right. That's what I mean. Like I, I don't know. I can't. They did say something. Mm-hmm. In terms of what its actual name was, but I think it was in Latin or whatever yeah, language. Might, yeah, might have but been anyways, part of that. He finds out about that, and he's gonna chase it down. And it's like, this makes sense for a desperate man, and like his his story follows logic. Okay, yeah. Of a you know of a desperate man, and it follows like, it's a much more well written story than the rest of everything. His arc is much better written. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. And I, I, I think that's something to say positive about what they did. <laughs> uh, big question for me, and I don't remember if they sort of like, 
set this up prior to the movie and sort of talked about this when, you know, Justice League sort of uh, flattened out and didn't do very well. Like, are we led to believe that this movie is part of the DC universe? Like, other movies? Is it? Is it not? Like, I, I, for something that happens in 1984, which is right in the middle of, like, all the other DC stuff, you'd think a world-changing event like this would have some repercussions or be acknowledged somewhere (laughs) after the fact, but it's never talked about again. I I think... Listen, Alice, you're going down a hole you're not aware of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't know what's well, down that's why, there. Like, I don't right know now. if, like, post-Justice League, if DC sort of came out and just said, like, hey, we're making movies now. It doesn't have to connect. We're making movies. That's but how I to took me, it. I have a hard time separating that fact when you're using the same characters and specifically actresses and, and actors from a movie that was connected to all this stuff. Like, that's harder for me to separate than just, like, hey, we're going to make a movie now. After like you yeah, can't take they the genie out of the whole cast and everything. Yeah, you can't put the genie back in the bottle after you after you open it up and make the DC connected universe. Now you have to figure out how to do it without actually saying we're doing it. I I don't know. Yeah, but I I feel like that's not on any of the people directly involved with this movie as much as it is on Warner Brothers and their executive team making these decisions. Probably, yeah, yeah. It could go up to the higher like Which you know the. I don't, is Patty Jenkins part of that? I don't. Care. Right. So if Patty Jenkins and Jeff Johns are just like, hey, we're going to make this story. And if there's no one saying, well, wait, wait, this doesn't, there's no continuity here between everything else. Or if they're just like, we don't care. Dude, you, you made a, you know, billion dollars on Wonder Woman 1. You do, you do what you want. We'll, we'll make it work. We'll retcon it after right. the fact type of thing. And that's probably what got DC Universe in trouble in the yeah. first place was that kind of idea. That, yeah, I mean, it, it's. I don't want to like spin off into like the larger what the hell is DC doing again? Well, we don't have thing. to. We don't have to. But it's just like so many different characters and actors are playing. Just all the rumors you hear about different Batman that are going to be around. It's like, well, which ones are part of this overconnecting story? Which ones are just stories? And what are we doing here? So uh, I don't know. Um, anything else to to add for story? Oh, I got quite a bit. Final. If you want to hit, okay, go ahead, Josh. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think it was a, a a potential misstep. Again, you're using a fantasy character, and you're using a character in whose roots are in mythology and the gods, and she gives a little bit of more backstory. I picked up this time of like eventually they go talk to that guy who they say, "Oh, you're of Mayan." descent and we find this old book and we talk guy yeah but she kind of generally even i don't even remember she might fleetingly very quickly mention the name of like what if is this greek the god of lies or whatever it is 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 it i'm really having a bad time is this greek or roman mythology what's the name well if she's she's coming from a place of Ares and zeus right so that's Roman. Oh, are, are you talking? Well, yeah, no, they messed that up. Okay, too. well, uh, don't get me like that. That's not on like them. Diana is the Roman god. Artemis is the Greek god that are the same, like between Roman and Greek. In Roman go- Roman gods, it's Diana. Greek, it's Artemis. Okay. But Ares would be Greek, whereas Mars is Roman. Okay, so whatever like camp that she would fall so in, and 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 that lineage of of I mythology, why not? Like, I felt like you tease us to some degree, like just tangentially mentioning, like in passing, like it's not important. Like, oh, this 
artifact has the writing of the gods on it. And we'll generally talk about, uh, you know, Greek Loki for a half a second, but that that doesn't end up playing a bigger role. Like the identity of that God, the, the, the history of that God, like it's gods. Yeah, right. Like yeah. anytime you're bringing gods in mythology up, like what, what, you you have to do more. People want to know more. You have to. <laughs> People want that. That's yes. the juice. But it, it's a missed opportunity. I feel like because otherwise, like you're under, you're either underutilizing that aspect of her background, or I don't like you're bringing it up. In I don't know. It just didn't pay off. Well, I guess the flip side of it is it like every movie you don't want to have her like would it get repetitive if every movie she's just fighting a different god? Not maybe. Granted, granted. I still read Percy Jackson books to this day, <laughs> and for me, like thing, not and maybe not fighting gods, just saying, but just if you're if you're going kind of, and I just if you're if you're going to weave them in, make it substantial, make it make okay. it important. It didn't seem important. Um, okay, fair. I think this is more of just an overall movie thing that has been said in many places. You did not need anything about this set in 1984. And I don't know why they necessarily chose Fanny that. Pack. Yeah, like they only played it off in like two small moments. And when we get the soundtrack, like I, I got so many thoughts. But I... I I, I didn't well, understand why. Like this could have been set anywhere else or nowhere. It didn't matter. Like the the, the I don't know. And and I will, I will say in the trailers they played up the eighties as so much of a bigger part of this than it actually ended Correct. up being. Yeah. And you know I got that like feeling like oh yeah Wonder Woman in the eighties it's gonna be awesome and then you get there and it's like oh this is is this mm-hmm. the eighties and see the only thought I had is sort of like what I talked about like this huge event that should have been somewhat memorable or or talked about in other DC movies that are sort of kind of peripherally connected but this would just be kind of like in the middle of all that stuff so maybe it's like so far after the they're not worried about it and so far before that they're not worried it's in that middle ground where you know by the time we get to man of steel bvs justice league that stuff has happened so far after the fact that no one's talking about it anymore yeah, I could see that. Because you couldn't set this in present day or, you know, right before all those movies because then it's going to be really blaringly obvious that they didn't touch upon anything that connects to each other in those movies. But you get a little bit of wiggle room when it's 20, 30 years before. I agree. So maybe it was more of a matter of convenience. Probably. Um. Part of the... We already sort of touched on it. I actually really did like the idea, aside from the body snatching part, but showing a vulnerable not only god but superhero in a way that just directly showed them as selfish but in an identifiably selfish way yeah um her desire and i say it's very simple it's like one line that she's arguing with steve in the apartment and she says i give everything every day and i'm happy to do it why can't i have this one thing yeah, I and, and again, body snatching aside, just the fact that he is there for her to have again. I'm I I like that part of the story. I actually really dig it. 
Um, and from again, from a story standpoint, like that, I'm with you. The, the whole thing of like Steve returning, regardless of how it works logistically, how he comes back, and that whole thing. But having him there for 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 Wonder Woman and Diana as a character that has to, you know, she didn't get the chance to say goodbye to him before. It's it's one of her life's regrets. It's not saying goodbye to the love of her life. And she gets that second chance in this movie, which is something I was happy to see and see that play out. They actually get to have a goodbye. Like it's it, it gives it a little bit more closure where I guess maybe even by the time you get to the later movies, you can, I guess, see that that arc for the character that by the time you get there, she's still mourning and misses him. But it's, I don't know, maybe a little bit easier for her. I don't know. I, I also dig the, the 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 line that they gave uh, Chris Pine of tr- trying trying to help her through that. That I know how hard this is going to be for you, especially getting a second chance. So you don't have to say goodbye because I'm already gone. Right, you've already lost yes. me. I'm I'm already I'm already not here. Even before you say I renounce. Yeah, I thought that was good writing. Yes, I agree. Um. I thought it was not a good choice to show or explain Asteria's armor as being able to fend off, quote, like, all of mankind's army or whatever they were depicting, as they were telling in the backstory. Um, But Cheetah somehow got so powered that she was, like, shredding the wings, like feathers. I've heard, I've seen that complaint too, and... My sort of, again, flip side of that argument would be the army of men is just men at the end of the day. They're not superhuman Amazonian. Kristen Wiig's character, Cheetah, has the same power set as Wonder Woman. You're you're supposed to believe that they are on equal footing. And perhaps her powers increase with that armor because of the wish, because she wants to be her. So by putting on that armor, Diana makes her more powerful, perhaps. It's a stretch, but I will... Because the wish can be evolving. I, I will try to bend on it. Yeah, I mean, in my mind, from a power level standpoint, Cheetah is more powerful than the army of men, is, is where I'm g- coming at this from. Fair. Um, I wasn't as... I wasn't as blown away by the... Uh, the way that we get to the invisible jet, as you mentioned, and even, like... The moment that she turns it invisible, I thought discovering that power set and enacting that was not nearly as strong as it could have been. Um, But I absolutely agree that once they're up flying and Steve Trevor is just engulfed in just everything that is him. And he's an American veteran experiencing the 4th of July in the sky with modern fireworks flying again and all that really well composited. Yeah. Again, that just, that whole thing just kind of felt like checking a comic book box. It doesn't like, you're not led to like, they don't want you dwelling on how they get there. Just that, Oh, she's got an invisible jet in the comic. So let's just, let's just check that, put it in the movie. And it's one of those things where I feel like they didn't have to, but they wanted to. Because, like, of all the things she has, the invisible jet is the dumbest. Right. <laughs> just let her fly. Like, in the comics, just have her fly. Why does she need a fucking invisible jet? 
so she's not as good as Superman or something. Get, just give her <laughs> flight and powers. Like this. I mean, is spinning not... from that, I was trying to remember: Does she fly in the comics? Because her flying in this movie was kind of yeah. like it, that. Weirded me out a bit because I'm like, does she do that? I I don't know. Not no, she doesn't fly that way in the comics, but she can fly in the comics because she has an invisible jet that you can't so see. She just... And they just explained it away instead of just saying she can right. fly. They they felt because. Again, you're going back to a time. Wonder Woman was created in, what, 1941, 42, 43? Old something days. like that. <laughs> and you're, you're talking about a time where saying a woman could fly just as easily as Superman? Oh. No, she has to have an invisible jet okay. to fly. And that's kind of where... It, so they, they didn't ever actually show, as far as I know, the actual invisible jet. Because it was invisible. But she could fly. Well, I was thinking like it, more like modern day comics. Does she fly comics. now? Like I'm, I know back then she was using the jet to get around, but more more modern. I think it stuff. depends on who's writing okay. it. Like I mean, yes, she still can fly, but it's a matter of whether they choose to have her do it or not. I think it's depending on the person writing it because it was again, they're still kind of stuck with those strictures of DC saying no, you can't retcon the invisible jet. Well, it's even kind of another thing too of you like. Know. If she flies in 1984, does she fly in, like, Justice League and BVS? Like, I don't remember her flying in those she movies. She certainly doesn't. So, what the hell happened? <laughs> she doesn't have the jet. But even the sequence that she flies in this movie, she's not standing on the jet when she flies. She's just flying. Well, she flies in this movie as a true feat of strength. Okay. You see her spring off of something, and she, like, she's able to float in the air. Bounce. Well, yeah, because she's yeah, the same. So think of it like, you know, like the Hulk can leap cities in a single bound. Yeah. Jumping with she's style. doing that yeah. on. Yeah, she's just doing that on a much grander scale. It's a feat of strength. It's. No, uh, I, I think maybe we saw I two saw that wrong. I mean, I it's the same thing that like, like Superman's Superman flight movie. is a feat of strength. But but Superman's flight is a feat of strength too. That's why you see Superman jump when he goes to fly in the DCEU. He breaks the ground underneath him when he takes off. Because it's a feat of strength. He jumps so strong that he can just fly. Yeah, but okay. stay, keeping flight, keeping controlled flight like that, I, 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 I don't know how I, I think that's it. my You're talking physics in yeah. comic books. You're, you're talking physics in a movie that has a woman turn into a cheetah. <laughs> We're not talking physics here. We're talking superhero physics. It's different. Well, my, right, but I my, feel like that's the difference between, again, jumping with style like the Hulk and flying. Sustained flight right, is well, where they are, they are, They are flying in a sense. We're getting into, like, certain point of view crap yeah, here. And this I, is <laughs> if he breaks the ground when he, when he jumps off, it's a feat of strength. He wouldn't have to if he could just fly. He would just float up off the ground. Okay. So what we're speaking in this universe, she does kind of the same thing here. She doesn't take off with as much force as he does, but there's still some force to it when she does. And she has, like, the momentum continuation of, like, riding the lightning, I guess you could call it, when it's available. Yeah, I think her first flight sequence, she, she, like, attaches the, the lasso to a jet and just lets it carry her, but then from there she just kind of floats after that, mm -hmm. if I'm remembering the sequence right. Wait, which I will yeah. say, the, the moment that they use to pull you into that happening, I found myself surprisingly okay with it. 
that in the moment where she has to break and and have like her lowest point and walk away from Steve, they transition that right into showing as she's walking away, she's you know formally says, "I renounce my wish." You see her start to heal. She picks up speed. She picks up strength. Just immediately launches into the sky, and I'm surprised at how well I found myself taking it. They're like, "Oh, okay, so we're going from that moment right into oh, and now I'm going to call it flight." That oh, now now <laughs> Wonder Woman flight. can it fly. Is. It's just the the moment she gets up in those clouds. For some reason, I did not have, and I, I think most of the time I normally would, but I did not have a, oh, here we go. They're giving a voiceover of those comments that he just gave to her not too long ago about how you, right, right. you know, fly, quote unquote, and you just hear that voice again. I, for some reason, I was completely okay with that whole sequence. I really liked it. Well, and, and what she does is, I mean, it's the same. It's what I was getting at. She takes off. And then she's riding the wind because she doesn't just have the ability to fly. I mean, there's no... She has to ride the wind. Now, whether or not a human being can put their arms out and actually ride the wind is another thing. But, again, superhero physics versus real <laughs> physics is much different. However she does it and however they portrayed it, it landed with me. <laughs> yeah. Do you have anything else for story? Because I got one big thing left. And uh... um, uh, yeah, we're we're going on this one pretty long, so we're gonna I try know. to tie this one up too. Okay. So, uh, and like I said, I, I think a lot of what we're talking about though is going to set the the basis for comments in the other categories, so that we don't have to like re-explain it. So, um, I think you saw flavors of this in the first movie as well. I like when there are moments that they write for Diana that shows that she is not paralyzed by what I what I wrote down as tragically sad things that have to be done. So in the final in the fight with Cheetah for instance, she doesn't want to be physically defeated. She still wants to quote save Barbara. But in the back of my head I started to hear the, you know, Sharon Carter speech about Peggy, compromise where you can, where you can't, don't. The moment yeah. moment comes where she knows I can't do anything else. Barbara, I'm sorry if this kills you. So be it. We tried yeah. everything we could. Here, this is where I am. I can't. I'm not going to pretend that I have to be sad about this. Per se, I'm not going to let that stop me. It. I have to move yeah. forward after this. This is what has to be done. And they give her moments like that, and I think that's a good showing for her character. I'll agree. All right, so the last big thing that I have off of it is the resolution of this film. How the conflict ends. All these people all around the world have been granted all these wishes, right? And in order to defeat this thing, everybody has to renounce their wish after they've been given their wish. There is no chance in fucking hell that every human being on Earth decides to be a good human being and renounce their wish after they've been given something like that all at the same time and all come together and suddenly be like realize they were good that is the most unrealistic thing in this movie with somebody that turns into a cheetah <laughs> i can i'm just putting it, it out probably there. not there's wrong no way if i some selfish bastard would cause everybody if to i work. 
they would cut like, if i just had happen. to find something to be able to make myself move on from there i would try to use a spin of your physics logic and say <laughs> i was thinking the same it, thing <laughs> it's, it's superhero world moral logic and so therefore everybody it happened it 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 yeah but in that same superhero world that moral logic leads somebody to become a cheetah because they are so selfish and not renounce it they see themselves actually being a living cheetah like a human cheetah and they're like no nah, i'm good with this i'm not going to renounce my wish again I mean, I'm she not, does I'm, by the end and they die I'm not for saying that. you're wrong but if i have to find a way for myself to move on within the story to accept it that's how i have but, to spin it but that's the end of the story is my point like that's how we get a resolution yes because people decide to take back their wish and i don't believe that's yeah fair. i think the third act falls apart like it builds to this conclusion that you're like how they wrote themselves in a corner how are they going to get out of this and then it's just the most obvious way out is that everyone just gives it back and i'm with you mike i no way in hell the entire world's population that has now been granted this wish is suddenly just going to be like, no, you know what? I don't want this anymore. Yeah, this $100 million I just wished for? Yeah. But at the same time, Pass. the consequences... My dead dad's back? Pass. The, the, my, my fish came back to life? My dog? Pass. Yeah, like they... Come on. No. Again, it just got to a point where, it, sort of like what Josh is saying, movie logic, like they wrote themselves in a corner by the third act of the movie, they have to get out of it somehow. It's just the dumbest way to get out of it. But that's what had to happen to, one finish the story and two have no fallout from the story so that it does largely play by itself and then does not connect to any like you can again spin it so it doesn't connect yeah. to any other dc movies i was gonna say you know how many people wished for superhero powers in that i wish i could fly i wish i could be invisible oh yeah you'd have i mean how many more superheroes would yeah. you have that they'd have I mean, to the, explain that would just exist because the of that only other thought is that especially because again for whatever they wanted to get, they personally had something affect them. They had some consequence that they had to deal with, not just from everyone else's wishes. There's there's a trade-off from that. And, mm -hmm. you know, it may be in theory, they enough people came to the realization that I have to, I can't live with what I have to trade. I think, but I thought it was everybody right, I'm, I'm, that had to. I'm with though. Mike. I think, to your point, it's not just the majority of people have to give back their wish. We're right. led to believe it has to be every single person. I, I agree, but every single person who made a wish also accepted the their personal consequence of whatever they traded for their wish. So then, in theory, could every person have decided that whatever they were losing as well wasn't worth what they were getting maybe well i mean you're also assuming that once they got their wish they stayed tuned in and they were like oh yeah i'm gonna keep watching i just got all this stuff let me um find out yeah, what's happening maybe. you know what i mean like it they, they, there's so many holes in the way they ended it i it just bugs yeah shit. it does right, fall like apart it's... for me at the end all right like the whole like I have to be connected to people, but I'm really just talking to people through a TV. Somehow that works. Like particles. Reagan said particles. Yeah. It's because they use the particles touch people. That's enough. That's that enough. Part. You're not physically touching someone, but TV particles touch people, oh, so you're into God, it. That was dumb as shit. Um yeah, that was bad. That was bad. Yeah, so not not my favorite way to end. But you know, again, we just we had to get there somehow, I guess. <laughs> All right. I think I, 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 it, 
I I don't have any more story notes. You want to move on? <laughs> well, I think that was I think that was Mike's last one, right? First. Yeah, that was. I mean, I waited till the end <laughs> to the talk end. about That's the right. end. Um, I would suggest it. What do you guys think? Find one of the other remaining categories that we think we could talk positively about for a while. <laughs> actors. Yeah, actors and characters. I think. Okay. Yeah, go for that. Because I, sure. I, we sort of touched on it earlier. I think, I think, for, you know, regardless of how it fits in the story, having Steve Trevor and Chris Pine back in this movie is a delight. I fucking love him. Yep. I think he did great in this movie. In this, there were so many. In, he is. I don't know if it's just me. But I feel like he's an underrated actor, and I fucking love him and like everything that he's in. And I think even the the few bits of comedic timing that he gets in this movie are great. The 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 one for me that sticks out is when he's in the plane getting ready to take off and she mentions radar and he's like, well, sh- you know, are they going to shoot at us? Yes. And then he just looks around and says, well, shit, Diana. Diana. <laughs> like that part had me cracking up. I mean, for me, like Chris Pine. Yeah. I, I think, I don't necessarily think he's an underrated actor. I think he's charismatic more so than he is a good actor. Okay. If that makes sense. Like he, his presence on screen is enjoyable. Mm-hmm. But I, I I don't think I have ever seen him in a role where I was, like, impressed by his ability to transform in any way. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, he's Chris Pine when he acts. To me. Like, he's the same guy. I think, I think the... No matter what role he's playing. I think playing. the one role for me that stood but out that was fun. like, this dude needs to be in more comedy is Horrible Bosses 2. <laughs> he is I don't know that I watched hysterical the in that movie. True. He's, like, I, I forgot about that. He's, He's at, like, that was as much of a surprise as, like, Chris Hemsworth gets in Ragnarok or Ghostbusters. You're like, oh, he can have you. I would say, if depending if you haven't seen it, I think it's the place. No, Hell or High Water. I think it's Hell or High Water that uh, Chris Pine is in. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. It's definitely, definitely a drama role, but um, it is probably his least Chris Pine role i've ever seen him in okay i've okay, not seen that fair enough i'll look into it that's with ben something right yeah i think ben, uh, ben foster and i th- yes. think jeff bridges yeah yeah it's really good wow uh-huh. um, um yeah, yeah, mike I... should we get to the one that that you're want to praise <laughs> sure sure and that's i'm sure you're aware that's pedro Pascal. okay that's why i thought you were where you're going um yes he's over the top but fuck i love this dude like it, it, what he's able to do and you got to understand like in a part of this he's actually over the top i think quite intentionally because it's as though that stone or crystal or whatever the hell it is has taken over him more and more and more and as it, as it becomes more of him he gets more over the top right but i feel like he plays that smarmy snake businessman perfectly earlier on in the film and then his turn of course at the end of the film i thought was good he made the film enjoyable for me okay half of the points i'll give this movie out of 10 we'll discuss that number when it comes or just because of him (laughs) um but yeah i mean i'm not going to say it wasn't over the top but i think that's more perhaps even to directing and telling him to be more over the top and you know what I mean? Like, things like that. But I think he he did a really good job selling it Okay. for what he was doing. And it was... I didn't feel like I was watching typical Pedro Pascal here. Mm-hmm. This is not... 
you know what I mean? He did not leave me in that moment where I'm like, man, I can't not picture the Mandalorian or the guy from Game mm-hmm. of Thrones right now. You know what I mean? I'm I'm in that mode where he's Max Lord. Yeah. He was Max Lord here. Whereas, again, Chris Pine to me could have just been Chris Pine and not Steve Trevor. Okay. I understand. Okay. Get, like, Kristen Wiig was Kristen Wiig more than Barbara to me. Yeah. And, and that's why I say I think he had an outstanding performance that made the movie a lot more enjoyable. Yeah, I'll give you that, like, as the movie went on, he definitely played it up more, which coupled with the unraveling of Maxwell Lord, like, that that to me made sense. It's just, I don't know, I, I guess I just couldn't tell if, it, if I liked it. Like, just me personally. <laughs> like, it felt, like, so over the top that it almost felt like he was in a completely different movie than everybody else. And to, that kind of pulled me out of it a little bit. That's it. That's an yeah, interesting way to that. think of it, but, and as you said, that just occurred to me, but the whole course of the movie, until what, almost two-thirds of the way through, he is in a different movie. His story hasn't yeah. intersected with anything else, so he's behaving in a, quote, you know, different world. The, the, the people and the settings and the circumstances that affect him are completely unattached to everything else we're, we're seeing. I also true. I wrote yeah. down, um, yeah. I just I wrote Pedro Pascal crushes it, acts his ass off. <laughs> but but to be there's never, and, and to to Mike's point, there's never a moment that I would ever describe what he did as chewing scenery. He never seemed okay. like he hammed it one time. Everything it, in his most boisterous moments, in the biggest moments of of what his character needed to do. He somehow found that sweet spot. And I wouldn't say like, oh, he just went up to the perfect line without going over. Nothing like that. He just found that great sweet spot of desperation and boisterousness and, yes, being being loud. And the, your, your character's mannerisms are big and erratic and you're going to meet the president. And then you're going to, be, to give this speech on TV going out to the world and whatnot. But he just – he kept it in this place that where his character was at the moment for me, every intonation of a word, every movement, like it all made sense as to what his character was doing at any given time. And see, I I think a good way to maybe describe how he was instructed. If I had to guess is think a young Donald Trump whose father didn't have money (laughs) But who actually has a heart in the end. I could see it. And that's where he's told to go with this. And, I mean, he he nails that to me. Yeah. I mean, so, but. I mean, you're you're bringing me up on this a little bit more. You're selling me on this. I'm, I'm, I, I, again, I enjoyed it more the second time through. The first time it was distracting me. Uh, second time I was better with it. So. But yeah, I think I think you're 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 playing this up for me a little bit more. So I think I'm I'm getting more on on your side. I think part of it, and not to go back to like story issues, but I think I was expecting him and Kristen Wiig and and the Barbara Cheetah to be more interlinked, more of the time. That yeah. yes, they meet early on, then they come back around to each other, but. And, and I only bring this up because you said it was somewhat distracting. I, I think I thought I was in for a different type of story or a different trajectory of story when I sat down to start. And as I got through the first 15, 20 minutes, 
And when it didn't go that way, the bigger that Pedro Pascal had to be on screen, I could potentially see that as describing it as distracting because you're thinking, why are they wasting time on all this other stuff where we need to get back to the story when you then find out this is the story? Right. Yeah, that could be part yeah. of it too. Yeah, I didn't think of it like that. But, I mean, I guess to to move on, I guess, from where Pedro is, um, I think maybe I can make a sweeping statement that everybody will agree with. Gal Gadot was the same as she always was, which is good, but not over-the-top great. She was very solid as Diana and Wonder Woman. Yes, um, I, I, agree. I, I would say her emotional moments that she needed to hit were better this time for me. She's getting better yeah. at it, yeah. She she's improved from her Fast and the Furious come up days. <laughs> well, even from the the previous Wonder Woman, and and granted, her character's arc is much different. Where sometimes I felt she was her character was written as being so narrowly focused on Ares, Ares, Ares that I'm ignoring all the other information around me, and I'm not paying attention <laughs> to what people are telling me that might help me contextualize how to get what I want, and because of that, it like sometimes came off frustrating and whiny. But this time, her character's path was it was different, and so I think she got a chance to be Diana more this time, where she yeah. just very like in the entire time she was, you know, Diana of Themyscira in the first movie. This movie, much yeah. more, she's Diana Prince. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Uh, anybody else we need um, to touch on? I mean, I think honestly, Kristen Wiig did fairly good with what she had to I, offer. Yeah, I liked her. I, I thought her. she did good. Uh, and I honestly can't. It's somebody who's an underrated. If you want to talk about underrated, I've never watched her in anything and thought she did a bad job. True. Yeah. Ever. And I've I've seen her in a lot of things. She's good in comedy. She's good in drama. Um, I don't really think she was fit to be Cheetah. Um, it, once things get to the cheetah part of it. Okay. Up until that point, I think she was fine and it worked. But in the terms of like, I don't know. Cheetah to me, I, I still, I don't know. Maybe I just feel like Cheetah's a bad choice in general. But Ch Cheetah is a big Wonder Woman. Villain, right, yeah. So it wouldn't be my first choice of DC villain, but it is a big Wonder Woman villain. So eventually she'd have to show up in a Wonder Woman movie. So I get, I'm sort of with you. I get that she had to be there, but it wouldn't be my first choice. Yeah, like it, it's one of those things where it's not going to play well on film no matter how you do it. Like, just think about like trying to make Thundercats into right. a movie. It's, you don't do live action Thundercats for a yeah. reason. It's a thing. I enjoyed her cho the choice of her like from the beginning it was announced because it was one of the la like I would never think of her whatsoever. I'm no. sure there's many yeah. other action oriented uh female actresses Mila, Mila Jovovich um uh uh oh my god why can't I think it? But I guess the difference is there's a lot of those action oriented female actresses out there but a lot like male actors that are action oriented it's not a female versus male thing it's they just a lot of them aren't very good actors 
they don't act very well. Very few of them can do both the action and the acting because most often they're chose for the action part because they're very good at the mm-hmm. physical part. And they don't really care about their acting right. ability. The, the, I was I was trying to think of Charlize you Theron, um, who I think might be the one of few. Well, she, a rare exception. She would be an ex- exception. But I'm glad like they went outside yeah. the box and it made the. I mean, you're basically doing an origin story for Cheetah the whole time too, so you're juggling that. But I I thought it was much easier to deal with the like the pre Barbara part with her and then put her into like struggling to shed that skin and enjoying this difference that she's becoming. I, I actually really dug it. Um, I, I wish the, I wish we had more time with her to experience the transition, not just to cheetah, but the personality change yeah. side of it. And I, and I wish it actually in the end, before she even got to the cheetah part went further in dissecting that along the way yeah um anything else for for characters anybody else we need to talk to we didn't touch on we'll spin off to the last two i would just point out i think we hit all the major actors did. i would just we? point out that there's a guy named jake at the museum that we meet early on when barbara arrives and drops her briefcase that guy's a dick <laughs> the popped collar guy yes he's a total yeah. asshole jake is an uh... asshole <laughs> Well, I feel like they had, you know, men play that kind of role in this movie quite a bit. You know what I mean? Where, like, and, and one thing, I guess, not to head back to directing, but I, I would give some credit to Patty Jenkins on that and kind of letting you experience maybe not, you know, the bad side of what men can be for an attractive woman at something like that gala or ball or whatever it was they were having it's not showing men in a bad light but it's showing what it's like to be an attractive woman around a bunch of men who are shooting their shot Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and just having to realize that this is going to happen 20 times tonight and i'm going to have to walk away from all of them (laughs) like it's just this is just what's going to happen um i think they did a good job in showing that but i digress go ahead brian uh, do we want to just, I was going to say loop the two together. Cause there's not, I don't know how much we're going to actually have on both of these, but we'll just hit them quickly. So soundtrack for next one. And then we'll end with special effects. I have one note for soundtrack yeah. and then I'll let Josh go off. Your, your on his... one note might encompass yeah, everything see. that I would say. I don't think so. Go ahead. Um, so wonder woman has this amazing theme song we've put together over the course of this DCEU so far. Yeah. Fucking use it. Use it. They teased it. The whole movie, it builds up to it and builds up to it. And you can hear the beginning of it and it builds up to it. It builds up to it. It never plays the actual... I heard it twice on the rewatch. Crescendo of the song. You heard the actual crescendo of the song? Well, not like... Not elongated. The theme is there. Quickly, but it's there. They don't highlight it. Yeah, it it shows up it and then it just goes it's... into like action sequence music. But it's there at the truck sequence and it's there right when she starts fighting Cheetah or not Cheetah the the the. But I feel like it was, it was there. But they do the lead in for it and they don't actually hit, like that memorable hook. See, that's what I heard. That song was the the hook part of it. Just it's not long, but it's there. Yeah, they died. I Sam, I feel like they divert and they don't stay on it. Where like it's really into like the meaty part of like the heavier drums along with the, you know, guitar over over top. It's like they start it and then 
yeah, like Brian said, they kind of divert to more blending it into the general action music. Oh, it, I I mean, it, it just, I think like when I originally took notes, because I figured we would like do this, but I don't have them anymore for some reason. But I called it like soundtrack blue balls. Like I <laughs> wanted to hear that. And they, they, they got you there and they got you there and it just didn't. And it was like, damn it, just play the song. Because I actually thought after, I was sort of like you, after the first viewing, I didn't remember it being in the movie at all. So I was actively listening for it the second time. And I I definitely heard that. Like, that part's in there. I would actually, on the second rewatch. <sighs> but I feel like that's the lead-in, though, what you're talking about. I don't know. That's I guess maybe that's where our disconnect is. I'm considering that the theme. Like, that's that's the theme. That well, I... but, but, I mean, like, there's the hook to the theme, though, where, like, it takes that heavier turn, like, a, a little later. Like, I heard what you're talking about, where it leads in, and then there's that... I don't know how to make. I can't do. I have no musical <laughs> talent, but it has it has a heavy hook. You know, it does the do to do. You know, the, <laughs> no, I, I I know what you mean. Yeah, the do 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 do. So actually, and when I did the rewatch, when she first appears, I think like full body in the mall sequence at the beginning, where she like yeah. comes over one of the railings yeah. or something in front of the little girl who's falling or something like that. It actually plays there for the very first time. Okay, so I completely missed that even on the second viewing. But I actually really dug it because. Instead of just like, oh, five minutes into the movie, here we go. Balls to the wall, guitar. It actually plays on like a, it, it's not, it's a bit subtle and it's not totally soft, but it's like on a lighter version of just string instruments and you hear it and it's almost, oh, okay. it's almost like Kramer coming in the, like the Seinfeld apartment. It's like, she's, she's entered and it, it whips, it, it whips. And it's right there, and then it kind of fades away into the rest of the music. But I actually, next time, if you remember that, listen for it. And I actually really liked its usage. Okay. Um, and then okay. yeah, I wrote down that uh, yeah, the the Cairo scene um, in the desert, you get it, and then the, and then the cheetah fight. Um, before I get to my biggest music point, I actually will point out if you the when Barbara is on her jog and gets cat called by the same asshole from before and she turns on him the first time she punches him into the van that's on the sidewalk there you get sort of a a cheetah ish i wouldn't say a cheetah theme per se because it's only a couple notes and they they use it a few times especially during the later fights too but the the notes they use the order sort of the sound of it remind it almost feels like an anti like very deliberately like an anti diana theme oh okay kind of like yeah, i missed that it, one too, it, it like goes the, the opposite direction like where diana's might be at like a higher pitch and it's kind of just like scales going you know in a sequence barbara's is very much more like it goes down it starts at a higher note ends at a lower note um okay. and, and it's a bit more menacing sounding and that's at least how it struck me um, which was a good juxtaposition to describe the the two characters and the path that they're on. And they're yeah, I'm sure bump that heads. like you said, I'm sure that was intentional. I just completely missed that part too. Watching it again, I, I think what what I'm hearing here is a lot that they could have highlighted this stuff more, so you noticed it. Maybe and yeah, it's a it's a blink it and you miss it. Less subtle and De more devil's, ad heavy devil's advocate. Like, maybe they didn't want to be heavy because something or that cool head with it. But I'm saying if it's something that cool that they put that much work into to make like this anti-Wonder Woman theme thing going mm -hmm. on for Cheetah, I want to notice that. 
I really want to notice yep, that, you know? And I didn't. I have, I have to go back and listen to it specifically after somebody else tells me about it instead of knowing it was there. True. That upsets me. Uh, Brian, do you have soundtrack thoughts? Because I just got one that's probably on your mind, too. We've kind of already mentioned uh, it. Yeah, I, between Mike's Not Enough Wonder Woman theme, I have that in my notes, and then I, I have something that... I don't know if you... I'm trying to not bury the lead for you. If you're going to... Say it, say it, because I feel like we're on the same page. We, yeah, just, we he and I ramble all the time. You go. I yeah, I think it, there was not enough '80s music for me. I wanted not one balls to the wall, hardly goddamn music. song in the movie, and especially after that reorchestrated Blue Monday. Yes. That that drove the first trailer. They're like, guess what? It's 1984, mother effers. Here it is. It's yeah. all going to be 1984. Boom, boom, boom. And there was, I think, one partially recognizable 80s song that i had to it was like, relaxed look right? up yeah relax yeah. to make sure okay so that and there was one other one that i couldn't even tell you what it was called i forget what part it was at i i i like what 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 why you're warner brothers you own <laughs> goddamn <laughs> record labels you have the rights to all this shit it wasn't right. it couldn't it barely couldn't have been a matter of money like what what why why? Yeah, music music overall dropped the ball in this movie because one, like Mike, I want either more Wonder Woman, either lean into the Wonder Woman theme song or lean into the 80s soundtrack for this movie, neither of which they did, and that makes me angry. I mean, and that to me like is a look at Captain Marvel as a blueprint for how to lean into yes. it. Play the 90s music in the background, have it be genuine things people love from the 90s, but maybe not like the overall like most expected pop hits that you're expecting to hear. That's every why I time. thought Blue Blue Monday. Was some such of them a good have that. And some of them others be good. For yeah, the trailer. Well, Relax is a good choice Very too true. for it. it. But had they used it more though? Like Relax was subtle, like and it was a reworked Relax. Mm-hmm. Too. Ne- you never it even hear the chorus. Just it's relax. just the music from the song. I don't remember ever hearing yeah. lyrics from the song in there. Yeah, no, you don't. It's there. It's during the ball, right? Like whatever that is. Like it's playing the ga- in the background yeah. as she's yes. walking around. Yes. The gala, whatever. I was thinking it was like during like the jazzercise sequence in the, in the beginning, but no, you're right. It's the it's the gala ball thing. The party. But yeah. that was where I was and, and actually, unless I'm really stupid, is is the actual title of Relax Welcome to the Pleasure Dome? Because that is the Frankie Goes to Hollywood song that is credited, not Relax. Oh. Well, again, it could be a similar sounding Frankie Goes mm-hmm. to Hollywood song. Because they didn't play any of the lyrics right. to it. Um, or is it like that song, <laughs> but like in parentheses, it's relax. Like maybe we've yeah, I don't, I don't, like, just yeah, been calling I, it relax the whole time, but that's not the actual title of the song. I actually don't know. Um, there was there was two Gary Newman songs in it, something called a song called M.E. period, which I've never heard of. Nope. But apparently, nope. and, and, and somewhere, maybe as she passes, someone passes a record store or TV store, the music video for Cars was playing like the the fact that there is not if you're going to set this in the 80s and use what you did for the promotional materials the fact that there is not an awesome mix coming out <laughs> of this that I can have was a huge huge missed opportunity yeah i agree i mean the only thing you could sort of spin is like maybe they just didn't want to make it distracting but Josh, to your point, if you're gonna market this movie that heavily as like this is the '80s, let's fucking go! Like, what I want that soundtrack at at the very least. Like, so mo- most, if you really watch it, only about what maybe half of the music in Guardians of the Galaxy 
or a third is actually diegetic music. It's music happening within the movie. Right. Everything else is just getting played over sequences. You could do the same thing here. They're maybe not when they're writing in Cairo per se to have like American 80s music playing, but there it seemed like there were opportunities where even if you wanted to have three or four or five songs play along the way in the environments that they end up being in makes total goddamn sense. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, missed opportunity. To answer your question, I put it in there for you. No, they are different songs, but they sound so similar. <laughs> I just looked it up just to see. And Welcome to the Pleasure Dome sounds a lot like Relax in terms of the... Um, so there you go. They orchestral they fooled us all. We all thought it was Relax. <laughs> yeah, like it's... I mean, it's Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Even like the, like the I don't know, moaning or whatever you... Whatever mm-hmm. at the beginning of it, though. You know, like... That that's in both of them. See, and you said you weren't musical. <laughs> I mean, yeah, are, are, are is Warner Brothers going to tell but, me that the 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 royalties that they would have had to pay for relax were too much, so they went with Welcome to the Pleasure Dome? <laughs> Come on, what happened here? I don't know. Well, maybe they wanted to be different, and they wanted to go that route with a song that nobody recognized, but they just barely recognized I, I mean, as a different song that it's I mean, not. They actually. wanted to go different on on the score. Uh, now, uh, to be fair, I will say I this the second on the rewatch, I did try to pay attention more to the actual orchestral score outside of just hey, when does Diana's theme come up? And there yeah. were definitely times where I thought it complemented what was happening very well. So I, I, I again, we, we, we've okay. talked about with tons of movies, it can be very forgettable, which is fine. Yeah. When I actually was trying to hone in and make sure I was paying attention, it, it, there were many scenes where what they put together fit very well, I thought. Fair. Uh, Alright, so last category, special effects. I don't feel like I have much here. Like, special, they were fine. Like, like, nothing stood out to me as being terrible. Aside from maybe the final fight with Cheetah, I felt like the effects just as on yeah. Cheetah. But, yeah. I think, Mike, you said it earlier, having just Cheetah in a movie is not something that I think anyone really thought was going to look good. So it was pretty much on par with what I expected, I guess. I was hoping, honestly, they did not turn her into a cheetah and they just had her have like this affinity for cheetah. <laughs> you know, know that like would have been any better, honestly. Yeah, then they would have been accused of being <laughs> well, no, scared she's Kristen of going Wig, but she, way she where, like, you know, look at the shit Marvel's done. Well, that could be the negative that she had off of what it was, is all of a sudden she's really into cheetah print and can't help it. <laughs> Instead of turning into a cheetah being the negative thing, it's just like you like this shitty print that nobody should wear. That's, but. Well, so your point earlier, this will be the worst thing you have to deal with. So do you want to renounce your wish? <laughs> yeah, that's that's a hard exactly. case to make. And when it's I, I'm I'm obsessed with cheetah print. Eh. When it's I like, turn into a cheetah, she still was mostly no. <laughs> I mean, it, it, but. Yeah, the, the cheetah effects I thought were bad. And I personally, I thought that's the winged suit of armor looked dumb. Yeah, see, I was okay with that. I thought that um, looked kind of cool. I I eh. don't know. I, I wasn't a fan. I, I, I admit that I thought it stood out weirdly. I wouldn't say it looked bad because it didn't look bad, but something about the visual of it. If, if what they wanted to do was bring something like that from the comics in into the screen if that is how it's basically presented and it's it's a good translation of that 
and, and, and I don't know the answer to that, but if... Yeah, I don't if, know enough about the comic. Well, like, yes, then, it's from this comic. Then okay, but I agree that there was something about, I don't know, like the chunkiness of it or, or something that just felt a bit too much. It's Wonder Woman. She doesn't need armor. She had her powers back. She doesn't need armor. She's what? I mean, she, if, if again, if it's it, but if if it, if it's from, don't we watch her take a punch from Superman and Justice from the Source material? If it's without from the source armor, material, some writer along the way decided that there was a use for it for her, and if they wanted to draw something from from that and incorporate more things, like I said that that's the part that I'm not bothered about but i will say i i probably too had the same just sort of like visual reaction to it that you did i mean it's a very striking I costume mean, for the for the poster like that yeah. sucker that stood out on the poster yeah i, I don't know it, it, everything else seemed okay um in terms of like special effects maybe not enough explosions <laughs> i'll say it for ian on this you know the explosions were eh. Okay. I mean, threat I of explosion um, was be, like off the fringe. <laughs> and I think that would get a negative explosion rating, though, for me. And if there was like just the threat of the explosion happening, and then you don't get to actually see the explosion. You'd have a bad reaction to being teased. Yeah, like <laughs> the blue ball explosion. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'll have to ask Ian uh, what he feels when he actually watches it because he hasn't watched it yet. So yeah. we'll have to see how he feels about being teased with a big explosion. <laughs> And then not getting it. Um, I'll run down just quick uh, special effects comments. Um, I did like the move when they're in Cairo, when they're driving, trying to catch up to the caravan, and she steps out of the car and starts running alongside it and then runs ahead of it. <laughs> just that notion that, like, car door of moving car going 70 miles an hour open and, like, that transition of her stepping onto the road and going looked cool and uh like I, th I thought it was executed well as also didn't look fake to me yeah. um the white house fight in general i thought was cool that uh you finally get to see her use her tiara as the boomerang um and i like the i don't i called it the lasso warp thing where she's like swings it in a circle and deflects bullets and shit yeah that was cool um, I had a moment, though, where I thought I saw the dynamic of what she was doing and, and and what Steve's role was as very similar or somewhat similar to the Black Widow Happy Hogan break-in fight in Iron Man 2. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where at the end, like, she looks back and he's, like, subdued one guy <laughs> and she took care of everything. Um, in that same transaction, uh, once Cheetah shows up, I did like that they gave her, you know, the ability to do the, like, spiral dive uh, move toward her. Uh, I think Diana does the, the um, like, the gauntlet crash thing, and uh, right. Cheetah does the, like, torpedo spin dive toward her to break through it. But, no, oh, it looked cool. It's, it's, just, it's just fun hearing you try to describe this fight and how it works and all the moves they're doing. Yeah, I like it. Um, I don't have a term for it, so yeah. <laughs> Torpedo spin dive sounds fine to um, me. Mentioned before, honestly, the that like moment where she's riding lightning with the lasso, I don't. It's cool to me. It looks cool. Yeah, I don't care. Um, it looks cool. It's just conceptually dumb. In in yeah, in the broader aspect of what was happening, I can see that. Um, 
uh, the last oh i called the part of the cheetah fight at the end i called it cirque du so cheetah <laughs> and i said it was okay it was all right yeah um last thing i'll say uh when she when diana is about to arrive at that broadcast station the like military people are set up and whatnot and the armory guns just start firing you know randomly into the clouds um yeah in the back of my mind i immediately heard something's entered the upper atmosphere <laughs> thinking of Watch too much endgame. captain marvel showing up in endgame yes because that's exactly what it reminded me of yeah uh other than that which is something they should really try to avoid with wonder woman so it doesn't end up compared to captain Marvel. uh true but to be fair like i mean there was nothing else really about it and wonder woman got you know true. wonder woman got to the stadium first almost two years ahead of of captain marvel so oh i know i just don't think they want to have their comparisons very true that's all okay so i think that is the end of my anywhere useful information or remarks <laughs> Um, sort of one of the final thoughts that I forgot about when we were talking about like characters and stuff, and maybe this is where we'll sort of wrap up the, the post credit scene. We get Linda Carter. There was a, post -credit did no one watch the post credit scene? Yeah, it was a, it was, it was a mid credit scene. That's what it was. Yeah. Mid credit. Sorry. What happens? Stay, explain this to me. Uh, Linda Carter comes back. Okay. So there's there like uh, Diana's talking about the 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 first Amazonian that wore the gold armor. What was her name? Art Artemis. Or, uh, Artemis. Or, or, um, Artemis. Asteria. Asteria. Yeah. Asteria. Um, okay. So there's a woman that you see from behind walking through a market. Some pole falls down, and she just single handedly stops the pole from killing a kid. And then the the mother turns around to thank her. When she turns around, it's Linda Carter. And she goes, oh, thank okay. you. And then she goes, oh, my name is... I already forgot her name. Asteria. Yeah, Asteria. <laughs> so the whole, you know, she we get you get the myth of this character, how she first wore the armor, the first one to stand up to men and all this stuff. So now you see her as Linda Carter in the movie. So that was a cool nod to the original Wonder Woman and all that stuff. So I don't know whether that character will come back in any future movies, but it was just cool to see that there. I got a kick out of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so from there, I guess we'll wrap up and end with our ratings. So out of 10, where would you rate Wonder Woman 1984? I, Any volunteers? I, I've, I've thought about this knowing it was coming. For the moment, I, I'm i putting it at a 6.5. Okay. Mike, where do you land? 4.5. Okay. I feel like coming into this, I was leaning towards 5.5. Like, I, I, it was middle of the road, but I was going to give it just slightly over. I think over the course of our discussion and watching it a second time, I think, helped sort of solidify where it's at for me. And I can sort of just accept it for what it is. Um, I'm going to maybe go in between you guys. I'm going to bump it up just a little bit more. And I think I'm going to end, end on a 6 for this movie. Um, overall, again, it's fine. Um, it was, now that I know what it is again, after a second viewing, I think I, I can give it a little bit more of a positive spin, but if you listen to this podcast this far through, we went for like 35 minutes on story. This thing has a lot of story problems for us. And I think that's, I, I cannot get over that part. 
some of the other stuff could be forgiven and you could overlook that and still have a, have a good movie. But if your story falls apart and asks a lot more questions than it answers and really kind of shits the bed in the third act, that those are some big things for me. Yeah. So visual things and minor issues can all be forgiven, but when it doesn't make sense, it doesn't yeah. make sense. That's there's no getting around that. Uh, Josh, anything to add? Final thoughts? No, but everything's off of my brain. Okay. Well, then that's where we're going to end this one. Uh, so if you've enjoyed the show, please support us. Leave a five-star rating and review. Be sure to give us a share on social media. You can follow or subscribe to the show. We are on Spotify, iTunes, Google, Anchor, Stitcher, hopefully anywhere you can find a podcast, you can find us. Brian, uh, what, if you'd like... what uh, did the listeners have to look forward to? What is up and coming on the show? Uh, I think the next one we have planned is our next Rewind Theater, which if you've kept up with those episodes and seen our wheel spin, which actually at the time we're recording this, I should probably put up the video <laughs> of the wheel spin. If not today, then definitely tomorrow. Uh, we are doing Atomic Blonde on the next Rewind Theater, so hopefully we will record that next week to have that up a week after this. That's awesome. Uh, after that, it's kind of, we wing it after that. We'll see, we'll see what comes up after that. Yeah. Yeah, we got to see what the wheel. Yeah, says, at the very least, after you know? Atomic Blonde, maybe two weeks, and we get another Rewind Theater episode. In between there, we'll see what we can come up with. Yeah, that'll be fun. It'll be our tenth Rewind episode already with, with another Blonde. more recent movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean that's it yeah. I mean that's what you know. It's what the wheel chose for us. So we got we got to take what we can get. Um. If you want to follow us on social media, we are at Facebook. Uh, search Bry Guy and Super Friends on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash Superfriends. Uh, you can send us questions, comments, topic suggestions, anything you want to hear or talk to us about. We are there. Uh, try to send us an email, Superfriends at gmail.com. It's, it's there. It works. I won't check it. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at BG Superfriends. Those we'll see. We can talk there. Uh, again, as a reminder, if you want to follow me on Twitch, it's Jedi Bry Guy. If we ever do live episodes of our recording, which we've done a few times, it's it's been a couple months since we did the last one, so we got to try to plan something for that. But uh, you follow me there. That's where we will do the live episodes for this show when we do it. Uh, and I think that's it. On behalf of Josh, Mike, and myself, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next time.